0: I'm looking up right now if there are any cocktails made with Mountain Dew. I'm sure oh. there is. <laughs> there definitely is. There there definitely know, you know it would taste good. <laughs> there's a Mountain Dew Moscow Mule, which makes oh, sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a Mountain Dew Me, very classy. Yes. Let's see what this... Uh, well, there has to
1: be something like a, some sort of Midori sour, like some sour drink that may, they maybe they use that.
0: Yeah, so ingredients, melon liqueur, which is what Midori is, right? yeah triple sec pineapple juice and mountain
1: dew oh that's yeah, so sweet yeah because the sweetness and the disgusting. sourness like, uh. because midori is already pretty sweet yeah even with the yeah. sourness it's like a
0: and pineapple juice and mountain dew this is too much
1: that's yeah, that well what'd you
0: expect from a, a drink called mountain Dew? me and know.
1: that's right yeah. <sighs> uh yeah i you know i was i impressed myself i i read the book in like four hours the whole really
0: thing? that is very impressive you must have skimmed hard man there's a lot of like, i did not factories and shit <laughs> i did not
1: thing. i didn't read the whole
0: notes. i didn't read all the like notes a, of calling you illiterate he's he, he's in disbelief <laughs> that you could read something that i'm quickly... a slow
1: reader so i don't and i found this i'm a fairly slow reader too so i was i, I did not expect that for myself i expected okay. that it would have taken all of saturday but i got up at like and i started reading around nine and i was done by like two okay right. well
0: all right. Well, let's get this pot started then. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah. Hey. Hey. I study mouse, say tongue's tongues. the young hey welcome listeners another episode of unverified accounts for you these are the episodes of escape from planet where we do a deep dive into a book movie or tv show so i'm your host chris here with adam and philip what's up fellas what's up chris how you doing and this episode we are going to talk about uh our friend J. Uh, J. Caspian kang's newest book the loneliest americans by which he means us not us three in particular, but Asian Americans. <laughs> and uh, as Adam was saying, he read it in a very brisk four hours. So we will. I don't. I don't want to make this like a book review because yeah. whatever. But there are. Uh, I mean, we can give our thoughts what we thought about the book, but we're gonna go more in depth into, you know, what he wrote. There's also been like some surrounding mini drama. I, I mean, that seems like so long time ago now, doesn't it? But it was there upon its release. Oh, before we get started, I just just want to say, if you want to uh, listen to our bonus episodes and have access to our Discord, please become a patron at our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash planamag. For just five bucks a month, you get double the episodes because we do a bonus episode every week. We're very diligent about it. We're up at like over 300 episodes now. I mean, total, I mean. And you get access to our Discord where you can talk to other Patreons and even us cuz we are often in that discord as well so see you there okay uh so the loneliest americans is by jay caspian kang it came out in early october i want to say and we had been you know awaiting this book curious because we knew we were going to be in it and uh yes we are in it we i think there are about two sentences dedicated to us but we are in one of the chapters uh, so, and, you know, we sort of know Jay and, you know, I, I do like a lot of his tweets and, you know, as much as problems we have with, uh, you know, Asian American writers, often, you know, the the mainstream ones, I, I would say he's one of the, the better ones. So, yeah, we're, we're going to go into this book and go, I don't think chapter by chapter, because honestly, if we're going to do like a quick review of the book, I would say maybe, maybe half the book I kind of skimmed uh, because there were certain parts that I didn't think were particularly, like, it's not that it wasn't written well, but I I just don't think we've seen this kind of thing before. Um, You know, I I went to college. I, you know, hung out with the white kids. I kind of had trouble uh, relating to the Asian American kids. And it's like, okay, we get it. Um, But, you know, the chapter about, like, you know, Asian identity and Al and Doug, obviously I'm biased. I found it the most interesting chapter because, it is something new. I don't think anyone's actually ever written about that seriously in a book. So that grabbed me. And some things about, I guess, the more autobiographical parts were interesting. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, that was my thing. I, I think, I honestly think if, if he like chopped it in half and then Brent and, and focus more on, on the more interesting parts, especially like the one about Asian identity, I think, I think that would have made for a more interesting book. How did you, Go, you feel, how
2: did you feel about all the, um, the like, historical stuff, right? Because a lot of it, like, this book is kind of like, it felt like a, half of it was, like, historical kind of nonfiction stuff with his a bit of memoir sprinkled in. Like, that's what it felt like. It didn't feel like it, you know, it definitely wasn't, you know, uh, fiction. It wasn't, you know, the kind of stuff we read before from Asian-American writers on the fiction side. Um, but it was this kind of interesting hybrid, you know, cross-genres kind of thing. What do you think about that? In particular, all this stuff around, like, you know the the heart seller asians and like the interesting part points in history about asians across america like um the different enclaves like the rooftop koreans was interesting to, to see that written in a book um you know uh flushing and like the different the korean enclaves the chinese enclaves there what do you what do you guys think about that part because that was the bulk of the book for me for me it read mostly as like mm-hmm. almost a, not a history book per se but like very information driven, you know, trying to teach you about this important part of Asian America that doesn't get talked about as much.
0: Adam, you got any thoughts?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I, 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 the, the thing that like my overarching feeling about the book is that, um, I do think that it it was very easy to read for me. I think that, that Jay is just a, is a really good writer. Um, and, Mm -hmm. uh, it, it just flows very well, even though it was a bit meandering, I felt. Um, I felt that sometimes some of the chapters sort of just, they didn't connect um, or flow sort of one to the other as connectedly as maybe I was expecting. But Jay writes in sort of a very accessible but um, thoughtful way that um, it was just, you know, I I just kept wanting to read, you know, what was going to come next. Mm -hmm. Um, I do agree with what uh, Philip that um, it was like more of a, not really like a ethnography, but it was, it was sort of a history uh, mixed with memoir where he sort of, I think tried to insert himself a bit into the history. Um, I found it very interesting that he, I think he, he placed um, or he, he sort of used the coined a term a bit, uh, or he is trying to. Or I don't know if he's trying to, but it seems like he was, uh, like the heart seller Asian generation, right? Yeah, I I think that's a very real yeah identity,
0: and I think we I think we just generally call it the two Gs or second generation, by which we kind of mean the same thing. Because if you're second generation, that means your parents must have come over after heart because, seller. Right? Yeah, when yeah, you yeah. say when
2: you say two G, you mean the the children of the heart seller Asians. Right, the hard yeah. seller Asians themselves being like the kind of like slightly more educated, sufficiently affluent to make it through the immigration requirements of heart, the hard seller act. Well,
0: actually, no, uh, Phil, that's a good point. I, I, I think what J JCK means by hard seller is just like everybody. Whereas when we say two G, we're being more specific. So I, actually, they're not quite the same. I think when we say two G, yeah, we're being more specific. Like all two Gs are hard seller Asians, but not all hard seller Asians are two Gs. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Speaking of uh, memoir, though, did you catch the part where he said he was like addicted to crystal meth for yeah, a bit? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so
1: like, whoa, you be, like one sentence? Like come I know, on, just like, and he just sort yeah, of goes know that by it, right? Like
2: when I was, yeah, but there
1: thinking. were, but there were some. I mean, and maybe it was just because you know, I, I, you know, I hung out with him a few times. You know, I, I don't know if we'd be friends, so to speak, but you know, we're we're a little bit more than acquaintances. So it was very interesting to me to learn more <laughs> about his sort of. You know, but it's more about his life. So, you know, I did enjoy that. And that might might be something that I just enjoy more because I know him, you know. Yeah. And I had drinks with him. But and, and he's very honest about like those yeah. those kind of darker sides of his life or, or parts of
2: his life where maybe other authors um, you know, wouldn't write about, but he's willing to engage with, right? Like his uh, half Asian kid, for example, and his feelings around that.
0: Oh so. yeah, we'll, we'll get to that because I, I think that that's a really meaty part of the book. But I mean, just going back to the the meth thing. And one of my things <laughs> about this book is that <laughs> I Chris can't get off it, the meth. <laughs> like I, I'm just wondering why he didn't write more about that. Not not that I wanted to like exploit his. It's probably a very dark period in his life and everything. But mm-hmm. he, he is as as Philip as you said. He is willing to mine uh, some of the more less let's say less shining parts of his thoughts. You know, for example, the whole thing about his a Daughter and, you know, kind of... Even, like, the first page begins with him almost expressing regret that she looks more Asian than white. Now, you're if you want to come off as Dad of the Year, you're not going to put that on the first page <laughs> uh, or at all in your book. So I'm just wondering, because there's this tendency for Asian-Americans, especially when they're writing, like, these memoir kind of things, to write in this very sad, reflective, um, you know, just this sad sack narrative that you know we've talked about many times and i I can tell by the way he's name dropping certain writers like you know joan didion or or books like franny and zoe i think he's appealing to this kind of elite educated white female readership that I, i think most people feel like they have to write to these days because so much of uh you know books or just like cultures cater towards them Um, And I would like to see him because, you know, we see him on Twitter. We know that's not him, really. Even if you read his uh, writings on Grantland, we know he's not, he's not like, you know, playing the fucking Goldberg variations, uh, sipping um, Pinot Grigio, uh, reading Joan Didion. But there are certain parts of the book where he kind of comes off as like, this is not you. And or maybe it is. I don't know. But I I think he, he falls into that trap sometimes where he is. He knows right. there's a certain type of Asian American story that has to be told, and I think it works against him. A, because it's not him, and B, it doesn't. It's not. It doesn't really work for men. I think it just. It's like I think it, it's one that pray, I think highlights a, a very traditionally appealing, like damsel in distress type of image, which is why I think so many women, especially like minority women, you know, the trauma porn essentially. Mm-hmm. But for for men, I think it's it's not the best look. For better or for worse. And then that's, uh, I, I got some of that like trauma porny kind of feel from this.
2: Yeah. There's no, there's no like imitation to be saved from like the backwardness of Asian ness or whatever is haunting them at, at the time, you know, when they were in middle school, high school, or whatever. Right. Um, I actually, I actually felt like the stuff he wrote about him, you know, being very interested in very white stuff, like Joan Didion or like, you know, Bruce Springsteen was actually pretty honest in that it's part of his wrestling with whiteness which he, he gets into a little bit in the book and he's kind of honest about it and so on um i do I, I appreciate it i just like can't really relate to it so much
1: yeah no i mean i never went through that period i'm not as nearly as literary as that I, so I,
2: I went through that period in know. a different way like you know i listened to like a lot of very like white you know indie rock and shit and whatever I, but i don't like i didn't really think much of it as being something that like was a conflict of identity right? But he's presenting some of this stuff as maybe a conflict of identity, um, or at least of, of class as well, to some extent, right? Like, he is educated enough to know who, you know, Didion is to, to you know to read and to quote or to put in a reference to that author. So there's there's that reference as well. And I think that, that that's, you know, the two aspects of, of what I liked about the book, I I think the book's okay. But like, two things I really liked was the thing that Adam said around, you know, prose and his technique as a writer, amazing. Even his enemies online <laughs> will like diss him and also admit yeah. that he's got great prose. And the second thing is at least some level of honesty, right? I don't, I don't know. Maybe Chris you suspicious about the, the level of honesty, but I think it's it's there in this book when he does write about himself.
0: Oh yeah, I, I don't think he's being dishonest. If there's anything that I'm critiquing, it's that. Well, you know, which parts are you choosing to be honest about? Sure and um i think there, there are things that i think he wants to be honest about but he uh for whatever reason it, it's maybe the mark he doesn't think there's a market for it. maybe his agent or publisher like no you know this is this is not gonna sell or whatever so that's what i'm talking about mm-hmm. yeah wh- why don't we talk, uh, talk about because uh, we brought up the fact that he starts off this book talking about the birth of his daughter who is half white and half asian and he has this kind of you know shameful feeling he admits to where he's you know a little disappointed he seems that she looks more asian or is less ambiguous racially ambiguous looking and i know a lot of people had a problem with that um i do appreciate Wait, the fact
1: people, that he, people like online like yeah like a that? self-hater and stuff and oh, okay. I, think, I think he would i think he would admit that it's kind of ugly to admit that yeah yeah, yeah so yeah, i i don't right? think
0: he's trying to yeah, hide anything or portray himself in a particularly good way, which I which I think I is appreciate good. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I mean we'll get to this later, but there are other Asian American writers who will address this whole topic of you know where do Asians fit in on the on the black versus not versus, but like the black, white racial a uh, binary that pretty much defines American like racial consciousness. And they will, you know, talk about Asians are too white. Asians should side more with the the POC crowd, but they will never, ever talk about the fact that they're married to a white person or their kid is half white. And, you know, just if their kids kind of follow their own social patterns, then yeah, in a few generations, you will be for all intents and purposes white. And right. and they just completely ignore that. So I think JCK, um, I commend him for, for just being totally blunt about it um even if you know you probably wouldn't want his kid as, as a little girl reading that part but uh, hopefully well, hopefully I when
1: she gets she's able to read the book she's older yeah <laughs> and he's
0: he's self aware of that
2: too like he mentions in i think both the beginning and the end of the book that like maybe not the best thing to do to write about your your daughter in this way in a very public book right but he also talks about how he might want to have this written out as a way for her to learn these things that she wouldn't learn otherwise or to remember these things that you know, he had thought about, you know, at, at this point in his life. So again, yeah. more, more honesty, at least around why he's doing it. Right. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Um What do you guys think about, okay. So uh before we even get deeper into the book, uh why don't we just talk about some of the, the fights that happened over this book? Because I, I think a lot okay. of them just outright admitted, uh, I haven't read this book yet. So I feel like it's an appropriate time before we uh, ourselves actually uh, go deeper into the book to, to just talk about, uh, whatever people had against this, whatever the image or, or whatever message they thought this book was spreading, what, what were you guys' impressions? I, I, I
2: forgot to joke at the beginning of this recording about how <laughs> we all didn't read this book. We're going to review it anyway. <laughs> As a slight at <laughs> his, his, his stupid critics online who dislike. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? I was actually, re, one thing I reread in addition to the finishing the book was um, the myth of the Asian American identity, that article on New York Times, which is like the promotional precursor uh, of of this book that has set off all the Gen fangs, et cetera, against him on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was, my thought was like, okay, his accusers didn't read his book. Did, I'm questioning even if they read that article because the article <laughs> barely touches on this idea of some kind of like inter Asian America class divide where there's these snooty fucking, you know, ivory tower academics versus, the working class folks right they kind of touches on that a little bit but it's not even really there so it's interesting that that the fact that they reacted so strongly to the article and to the notion of the book not even the book itself is telling of something like it triggered them in some crazy way and i wonder if that has in part to do with like his reputation amongst them you know as a writer because you know they're all probably in these like discords and group chats and stuff amongst writers like the chunky monkeys (laughs) but Mm for asian americans right um you know so you know he doesn't even name anybody in in the article no he doesn't right he doesn't he calls out vague groups he doesn't even call out like specifically like academics of a certain whatever so i don't know there's some deeper anxiety i think that got unearthed a little bit there in that conflict um and i felt bad for jck they had to fucking deal with it right because like they were just accusing him based on their image of him and image of what the book was not anything concrete
0: but what is his image i don't think he has i think if he has an image it's probably that kind of vaguely uh like sports loving asian bro who yeah. So it's a,
1: it's a little bit of a bro image. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Sure. Cause you
0: know, he got started off of Grantland and a lot of stuff he tweets about has to do with when, when he's not talking you know, about like politics and stuff has to do with sports. Oh yeah. So, so I don't even know what image they would have to be offended by, but I think what they were really, cause I, I think what they heard about the book was that it attacks Asian American activists, academics, and generally media elites. Does it really attack them though? Or is it really? Yeah. That's, see,
1: that's the thing, right? Like uh, I think it criticizes certain uh aspects of those of people who do those things, right? Like like activists or uh ethnic studies and things like that and, and maybe um I think he also very subtly just he he criticizes some of maybe the um like the gatekeeping or the uh the pa- like the some of the behavior within those spaces like when he talks about um because he went to uh, one of the protests uh, for, I think it was Jamal Clark, or maybe it was the one right after that, mm-hmm. and he was talking, and and, it, and I think it's one of the women who's um, a little lesser known as like one of the Black Lives Meter, Black Lives Matter. Oh, this was the Flavando uh, uh, Castillo. Uh, yeah, it was the Castillo. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, he 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 was working for Vice at the time, and he was there, and and then he he ended up just starting to talk to um, a white white girl amber i think he said her name was probably changed and um he just wanted to like ask her why she was there and like a few minutes into that interview or like a minute into that interview one of the lieutenants of the or one of the leaders of the protest like runs in and says you can't interview this white girl Um, you have to only interview you know black black people and so he was Kind of, and then later on, he was like, "This girl just sort of like was at all these events, and then she just wouldn't say anything. Like she was like curled up on a couch, like just traumatized." Mm -hmm. And I think that he was very, without directly saying it or saying it that like harshly, he was like, "Can we really build like a a durable political movement?" radical movement if we do things like that
0: no no adam i'm right? not talking about activists and academics in general i'm talking about asian american activists
1: and well, i mean uh, and then i think but i th- i think he's also sort of talking about how we fit into that right yeah um, i mean
0: there are parts of the book where I, th- I think especially towards the end i think his last paragraph is about we need to uh shift the focus to like working class refugees yeah. um the more marginalized people in our community i think the the thing that i think jck does because by most standards he is exactly the same as these blue checks he is oh, uh, yeah. attacking he went to bowden he went to a uh, fucking mfa program for god's sake his, i mean he, i didn't <laughs> know he, i didn't realize his family was so wealthy he said his like dad yeah. uh, became like a ceo of some like pharma company started in Korea. his own biofarm company <laughs> yeah and, and his family uh, his parents now live i think in some nice uh farm like with other like rich white people somewhere in Washington state. So he is like them, but the difference between him and I think a lot of the people who attacked him is that he is fully willing to admit that he has chosen the path to whiteness. He's saying, generally speaking, uh, America is still, you're either black or you're white. Um, and I've, you know, I'm not that proud to admit it, but I've chosen whiteness. Yeah, I, I he married he a white... pretty much
2: says it explicitly in like the last chapter. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: I've, I married a white woman and even before that all my cultural tastes uh, you know I'm reading he like name drops a bunch of like uh, like you know posts like Anne Sexton even and, and you know like the very like you know people black, I've never heard of <laughs> you know English major right. liberal arts college kind of stuff he's chosen this life he admits it and he's not like he's not like regretting it nor gloating it over it he's just saying this is what it is I think that's what really wrinkles the the type of like you're saying he, he admits to it as opposed
2: to pretending to not be part of it is
0: that what you're saying or I, th- I think what the people who most dislike him is, well, is their belief is that i can do all the things that he's done which is you know basically like politically culturally socially economically be almost indistinguishable from white elite liberals mm-hmm. but so long as i am uh you know fiercely fighting for asian americans uh you know in in the academic sphere you know pushing asian american uh, studies or in the activist circles you know pushing for anti gentrification in Chinatown i am not white i am still part of the the righteous poc side but then the problem right. is even if okay uh, uh let's let's say that's possible yeah it's like even if you if you're a type of asian american who like lives in like Brooklyn Heights or whatever the equivalent is in all the major cities around America, you have like a white spouse, your, your kid is like half white and you're, you listen to the Beatles or whatever uh, and, and you watch uh, you know HBO and all those white shows. Let's say if you are strongly, for lack of a better term, pro-Asian, you are Asian. Even if we say that is true, and I think that is true, um, what are you really advocating for? Because these are not the people who like stood up for Asians when they were getting attacked. These are not the people right. who stand up for Asians when people tell them you have no personality, or you're you're all cheating to get into these schools, or you're like we can't have too many of you in tech, all that kind of stuff. So even if you can still be Asian American solely on the basis of fighting for Asians, you're not even doing that. So I, th- I think these people have mm-hmm. this very because um, they don't want to be white because that ruins their self image of being. These uh, you know righteous crusaders standing armed in arm with the you know downtrodden uh, so-called like third world people uh, people of the world. Yet they still want the advantages that come with being white. So it's like uh, it's their eternal struggle is how to reconcile the two. It's someone like JCK who seems to kind of say, "Look, I know what I am," <laughs> uh, and and whatever um, I think really threatens them because it because it, when he says. We have to like seed ground to like the the Asian working class. I think they would say the same thing, but in their view, what they want to do is is handpick the Asian Americans in the working class who are essentially aspiring to be like them. But when Jay, what what they fear is when, when J when yeah. JCK says that, he's talking about like the they're like a separate the bat- group. They're a separate
1: group right. from us. Like like the right. bad Asian Americans. Well, the, the ones... ones that might not even have the right politics. Well, exactly. Know? That's precisely the. Or oh, the, the same, the, not right favorite, politics. Yeah. The same politics as you, and you know, and that's something that I I struggle with too, um, thinking about. Like so, yeah. It, but it's it's an uncomfortable thing to, to 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 express or put into words, literally black and white on a piece of paper, uh, and put in a book.
0: Yeah. As a shorthand, I, I call them the China Mac Asians. Like I, I don't know much about China sure. Mac or his politics, but like <laughs> yeah, that yeah. kind of. Like we all know what what that kind of Asian American yeah, is. Yeah, the Asian the kind
2: with of, Asians with attitude. Yeah, the Asian with like, attitude. Right. Asians enclave Asians often right like that 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 kind of pro Asian Asian right. Two yeah. G they're two G still right. One point five G often as well. Um, but it's definitely a separate group from like the upper middle class children of heart seller. You know the class that he's referring to in the book.
0: Yeah, and um, what is it like his the people who attacked him? I think when they advocate for you know, working class Asian Americans. But what they're really talking about is like the the one who gets like the full ride to like Princeton or, you know, another like you know, really good school. Right. And, and they'll become Asian American studies majors. They'll get sucked up into the whole like Asian American nonprofit activism industrial complex or whatever. That's what they mean. Um, cause they don't trust the the real working class Asians because they're, they're too gross in their view their politics are wrong they're too insular all sorts of shit
2: I, I agree with everything you've said everything above you've said Chris the only thing I, I feel definitely on with this book is that I didn't feel like he was saying we should cede ground explicitly to the working class Asian Americans I, I actually felt like he was more he was just saying they're a separate group from us like this you know heart cart seller Heart, give, heart, heart seller uh, group of Asian Americans um, you know it's, it's not a bit you know this is a whole it's, we're not a monolith thing right he, he's saying like they're a separate group from us and we should recognize that um, and I, I don't know if that fact alone is what rank like upsets the his critics basically right because he's willing to say that um, he's willing to say some pretty crazy stuff about um, you know groups outside of Asian Americans too that I think would be things that are hard to say um, by these more academic, kind of uh, activist type Asian Americans, too. Right. And there's a bunch, I don't, I don't even want to talk about it now, but there's like a bunch of um, interesting quotes in the chapter about activism that makes me feel like, and I think this gets to the core of why they feel threatened by JCK is that like he has some ideas that are like leaning towards the kind of what we're starting to call like, you know, dirtbag online Asians, like the plan A people who would be associated with us or similar politics on Twitter and online and so on. I think they get that feeling that he's kinda there and that that's a little bit scary to them. Well um, he's willing to meet up
0: with us and I I, <laughs> I think he described us, you know, rather nicely. I he mean did. he, he yeah. didn't say anything too much about us, but he said that we were uh I mean he described you, me, and teen. I mean, you, I mean, I'm talking about you, Adam. Yeah. As uh, two lawyers and a finance dude. Yeah, I was which, like, I'm uh, the finance bro. <laughs> and he said that we were trying to take, uh, you know, what, the good political ideas of kind of like Asian male Reddit and scrubbing them of their toxicity and misogyny, which I think is- Fair enough. Doesn't sound like a bad thing. So uh, there's that. But uh, Philip, you, you were talking about like separate groups, but I think we're all heart seller Asians. I mean, even the the working class ones, because like there, there aren't that many- like it's not as if, let's say, like the the students, uh, you know, if bringing it to the Harvard admissions lawsuit. It's not like the Asians who sympathize with that, and the ones who um, well, even started it are. Contr- they're not like the you know the Japanese Americans who've been here for a long time, or the, or like the the Chinese Americans. A lot of them are also very recent, like children. Right, of but so I think I think it's all within the hard seller Asians. There is a there's yes, a sorry yeah, right. but to the
1: refugees wait. that like came from Vietnam and like yeah like my family other, yeah like your family um do they count as heart seller because i don't i think well they I, I think he's talking about them. more
0: like recent refugees i don't think he's talking about you know vietnamese refugees came over in the 70s and have now probably like you know become have done well in life like like you you philip <laughs> but you're making you're making exactly no. the
2: point i'm making which is there's a whole bunch of different fucking groups of people right and and he's saying like okay there's this big movement in 65 after this act this bill was passed that brought over all these people, but we got to remember that all these quote unquote Asian Americans that were brought over by this art seller act are not the same. There's very disparate groups. And in particular, he calls out these two, you know, there's more than two groups but he calls out these two groups and that distinction, I think makes people nervous, right? Because if you, if you, if you take, if you break that distinction, you take away the ability for someone to say, I'm an Asian American, I'm an Asian American activist. I can speak for all Asian Americans.
0: Yeah. And I think uh, not only that, but the people who are right now kind of appointed as the face of Asian-Americans, I think, know that they are in the minority, I think. Oh, yeah. Among I mean, Asian-Americans. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because uh, I think they, they they've just kind of dominated what little space that's been given to us. But a lot of stuff they say, um, I think a lot of Asian-Americans would like be like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know, from a whole range of topics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the only way they've kind of gotten by is that most Asian Americans don't pay attention to them enough to get mad. Like, we pay attention to them, so we get mad, or, you know, people who are like-minded sure. like us, but the average Asian American has no clue who these, like, you know, blue-checks types are, and they don't care. Um, they're kind of not aware that they're speaking on behalf of us in front of their, like, white liberal friends, and these Asian Americans probably wouldn't like it, but they don't really care because they got their own thing going on. So I think, yeah, that's the, I think that's what they're worried about. Because the only way they are relevant is by pretending they have the power of the Asian American community supporting them. As small as our community is, it is still, what, like six-ish percent?
1: And it's growing, yeah, I feel. It's more than right? like maybe the, the
0: mm-hmm. 1% that they would represent by themselves. So they're, they're afraid of like a more, uh, you know, there's an overused word, but a more like populist Asian American movement because they would just like blow right past them
2: yeah i think that's right i think the 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 deal is though that you know in part what this book is pointing out too is that there are concerns of the non you know upper middle class pmc type uh asians that the blue check activists whatever you want to call them Asians that are associated with that have a plight that is becoming more and more loud loudly heard in america in particular the, the Asians who are attacked uh, as a re- result of the coronavirus, right? Like that's a, a particular group, you know, and, and with the shootings in, in Atlanta being kind of a, a big event that really blew that up, right? That probably led to things like, you know, further interest in books like The As Americans, I think, right? Um, and their, their voice is getting louder. And I think that there's this concern that, you know, the, um, the, the spokespeople who we were just talking about um, know that they don't actually, they're not the same people. They're not the same people. And JCK is willing to say, we're not the same people. I'm one of you. I'm one of your fucking writing class MFA Asians. Uh, I'm not not these guys.
1: But I feel like a lot – like there was a lot of detail about sort of how he's fucked up (laughs) like continuously in his life where he also tries to have his cake and eat it too, right? He's sort of trying to place himself a little bit in both camps. Where he's like, I'm this heart seller, baby. You know, I come from a privileged family. I have all of the bona fides, but right. I've also I'm going to detail how I was hooked on meth for six months, and I'm a generic gambler, and you know, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I almost you know all like I, I lived in a halfway house for three days, and you know, like, but I also work for Vice and for. And I work for the New York Times now. I work for the New Yorker. He actually worked for the New Yorker for a little bit. Yeah. Um. So he has all these other, you know, these very high society, high cultural, um, bona fides as well. So I mean, that from a cynical perspective, you know, some of the, you know, some of the, um, some of that sort of, you could, you know, if you weren't being generous, uh, he's sort of trying to be in both worlds. Like yeah. I, he's like I have credibility to talk for all. Like both both groups in a way.
0: Yeah. Uh, Philip, you were talking about the uh, these like working class Asians constitute another group. That's true. And I think even worse, a lot of their concerns are actually uh, uh, diametrically opposed to the interests of the, like whatever oh, you yeah. call it, the uh, elite Asian American class. Let's take mm-hmm. something like uh, school admissions, for instance. I, th- I think a big bullshit is that a lot of the, the elite Asian Americans um, will characterize this as racial, ju- like pro-racial justice Asian Americans, in other words, themselves, versus the the more selfish Asian Americans who uh, just want to get into Harvard or Stuyvesant or Lowell or any of these good mm-hmm, schools. Mm-hmm. When in fact, what's really happening is that the elite Asian Americans, it's a transaction. What, what the elite Asian Americans are demanding from the, the working class Asian Americans, or I'm not gonna call them all working class because they're not all working class. There Mm -hmm. are some uh, very wealthy Asian Americans. Where I think it's more of just like an insider versus outsider thing. Mm -hmm. The insider Asian Americans who feel like there's a place for them in this elite multicultural, multiracial, liberal society in America versus the Asian Americans who don't. So let's call them the insider Asians. What the insider Asians are demanding of the outsider Asians is that the outsider Asians give up their primary, if probably only way to move up the social ladder in exchange uh, so that the insider Asians um, maintain good social relations with their peers.
1: Which are other insiders, right? Uh,
0: yeah, well, uh, whether they're white or black or uh, other Asians, yeah. That is the transaction that they're demanding from the lo- lower or the outsider Asians. So if you're an outsider Asian, the the question would be, why should I give up my interest just for your interest? Like what does you getting along with your... You know, right? Like Pulitzer Prize-winning friends, or your professor friends, or your like right activist influencer friends. What does that do for us, or even the community? That's only good for you. But then the insider Asians, they try to characterize this as I said, as racial justice versus yeah racism. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you know. Or like, and,
2: and we pointed this out before, but they're the insider Asians, always the ones who are like they're already in Yale, they already they already got their Harvard right. degree. Well, yeah, that, and that's, that's saying The rest yeah. that's you got to fucking yeah. give it up, right? I think that uh, Liza's been using this term that like normie Asians. Uh-huh. as a as a way to kind of describe this group of people who are like you know they're not concerned with like wokeness, they're not concerned with like these kind of racial justice issues. they're concerned about their kids having a chance at a good education because that means a good job right really basic practical needs um, that uh, that are kind of erased or steamrolled by the elite Asians in order to keep their kind of presence in good
0: standing with you know both whites right. and blacks, I guess at the same time. Uh, why don't we move to the part where Adam you're featured? Uh, you don't mind. <laughs> you don't mind coming clean that Teddy uh, is I you? I guess. Is yeah. It? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> and that yeah. is the part that I think was by far the most interesting part. Again, I don't know if it's just. Oh, kind of I know. Biased, I'm always but, the
1: most interesting part of anything. But, yeah. uh, but this is. This <laughs> I'm joking. Is the, I'm joking.
0: What, what's this chapter called? The, the rise of the uh, MR Asian. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And I thought this was th- the one thing about this book that really distinguished it from the other, you know, the, the plethora of. Uh, you know, sad immigrant story, you know, Asian man or woman struggling with their identity kind of thing. Like, this actually addresses a topic that only gets addressed once in a while in, in something like the like the Slate article or, you know, the Celestine Cut article. Uh, but this actually went in much deeper, I think, did a much better job than those. So, uh, Adam, why don't you uh, lead us off into maybe how this all went down, if you don't mind, like, you know,
1: how it all transpired? Well, you know, when we start, when we when we um, started, sort of getting to know, uh, you know, Jay just a little bit more. Uh, this is probably what three, four years ago. It was probably a yeah, year or so 18, after. I think. I yeah, think it was, it was like a year or so after we started the magazine, and I think we probably fairly quickly got on the radar of you know these insider, you know, media Asians, and uh, but I
0: not, guess not 12 I remember when I wrote the uh, "What if uh, Asian American men go alt right."
1: Yeah, yeah. As soon yeah, as that, I I yeah. wrote
0: that on on Facebook, Jen Fang uh, wrote this like wall of text denouncing me and
1: planning. <laughs> yeah, our, so, our whole yeah, we were on the radar enterprise. pretty quick. Yeah, cool. yeah. So, but we got on that radar fairly quickly. Even though you know, I think even even till today, like we're fairly we have a fairly small audience, but I think a loyal and and you know you know steadily growing audience. But um, so, and, and I think he was working for or just started working for NPR at the time. And, um, I think after a few months, uh, he, we actually, uh, me, you and, and teen, we talked to him extensively. We got, you know, we were interviewed cause he thought, I think he wanted to do some sort of story on it, but it, it, for sort NPR, of, this American life for, yeah. for this American life. Yeah. But that never got off the ground. And then, you know, he very, you know, he, he fairly quickly moved on for NPR. Um, I, I forget where he went after that in particular, but it's not that important. And then. When he was reading, writing this book, um, he just you know, and we we text back and forth occasionally, and uh, whenever he was in the city, you know, we might grab a drink. But um, he called he called me he uh, he texted me. He was like, you know, do you have, do you have a second to talk? And um, I, we ended up talking on the phone. He was like, you remember that those interviews we did? And he's like, I'm writing this book, and um, you know, I feel I I, I want to write a little bit about you. You have an interesting story. Um, so I talked to him for a, a couple of hours just to get some details about, you know, who I, you know, my background and my life. And then, um, I just sort of step, you know, I, I knew the book was coming out and I sort of was like, oh my God, I wonder what he's going to say. And I mean, I think I had about what a total of, uh, almost a page, maybe like three or four <laughs> thought, paragraphs. Wasn't it that. more like two to three pages? Was it two to three pages? That's uh, maybe, but, um, I, you know, he he got he got he got the details right. Uh, you know, and, and I wasn't I, I I read it. I'm like, okay, yeah, I it is what it is. Like, <laughs> like he didn't analyze it too much. It was just sort of the history yeah. of what happened. Uh, I, for for people who haven't read the book, uh, Adam,
0: you want to tell what your part in this book is about? Yeah.
1: So in this particular chapter, so he he talks about just so my background. And I think you know, for for longtime listeners, you know, you guys know I was I, I was adopted from Korea. Um, I, I was adopted when I was four, I grew up sort of in a very, very white Westchester. Uh, and, um, and then, uh, the, you know, for the Mr Asian stuff, I actually helped to create Asian masculinity that, back way back when it started, but I d- wasn't involved very much, um, at all. Like, so I started it, I may have been involved for like a couple of months and then I sort of just, you know, I got Married for the first time, and just things happened, and then I came back around. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know, like 2016, 20, like 2015, uh, and uh, but I wasn't involved again for that that much longer. And then I got banned. <laughs> but um, you know, I I I started it, and you know, and what he wrote about in the book was sort of true. Where it was, it, you know, we we it was motivated by the racism just sort of in pickup and, and dating and that sort of male dating advice stuff. Um, but it got very toxic, uh, and very bad, you know, very quickly. Um, but then I think he interweaves that history with, um, with Al, right? So a lot of the chapter of that book is about Al, um, Al her, and sort of how he sort of overtook the, that separate, that subreddit, uh, and that history. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm in it. <laughs> it happened. It was surreal just reading it. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is my life. There's um, a really honest part about
2: um, your trip to Korea. Um, yeah. You know, I think as
1: was that for the first time as a adult uh, to Korea. Well, he, he skips past some of that stuff. Um, I mean, uh, the details aren't that important, but yeah, I, the first time I went back, it was only for like 2 or 3 weeks it was because of a, there's an adoptee gathering that happens every 3 years mm-hmm. where like a lot of Korean adoptees from around the world gather in Seoul it's like 7 800 adoptees all all together and for every one of those gatherings a fair amount of you know fair number of people that's like their first time in korea and and a lot of for some of them it's like the first time around a lot of asian people yeah and uh, a lot of, around a lot of adoptees so it's like A triple sort of mind fuck all at once um so then yeah and then i have been back before uh you know afterwards as well uh and lived there for seven months like chris just alluded to
0: but in the book where he talks about how you were there and yeah you're like you you even like saw all these like Attractive women that you wish you could talk to, but you can't because you like yeah, you, you don't know. Yeah. Was that your f- when you were there for the first time, or or when you were there for your extended
1: stay? I think for more my extended stay. Oh, I see. Okay. Um. But yeah, it's uh, it's. I mean, I'm married now, but mm-hmm. you know, it's. I think that happens to a lot of uh, not just adoptees, but I think a lot of uh, you know, uh, Korean Americans who are born in America. A lot of these heart seller <laughs> Asians mm-hmm. we're talking about yeah
0: all right so l- let's talk more about that chapter because i think that's the one that most people will probably remember and want to talk about so this is the one that you know it talks it starts with doug uh whom we we know and um it, it i think it, it follows his arc as uh you know fairly typical i, I guess i guess doug is like an older millennial you know he's he's you know doing yep. well in life he, he goes to good schools uh, he succeeds, uh, whether it's in, like poker or getting a getting a good job at like a consulting firm. Then uh, various uh, life circumstances, such as the 2008 financial crisis, uh, you know, force him to adopt a more unconventional life. And for him, that's strike you know trying to make it in Hollywood. And you know the you know I don't know his full like life story, but uh, based on this chapter, it seems like a lot of his like racial. Like there was like some racial awakening that spurred him to try to go to Hollywood and be like there's a part where he talks about how, you know, Harold and Kumar m- meant a lot to him because he saw like a like an Asian dude on screen. Uh so there was some of that, but I, I think some of the more um more radicalization stuff happened a, as a result of just seeing or perhaps not even getting to see kind of how Hollywood works, just always just being excluded. So then uh, there's that arc, there's also your arc, Adam. There's also Albert Hers' mm-hmm. arc. Um, I mean, Planning is like very briefly mentioned, but it's not like he really follows our story. And he also, you know, look looks at the subreddits like from starting with the Asian American subreddit and why like some people were like booted out of there, and then the Asian masculinity subreddit finally uh, splintering off into Asian identity subreddit. And this whole chapter, I mean, there's obviously, I think, a sense where he is a straight second-generation Asian American guy. So he's always in danger of being tarred as one of the bad ones uh, for, you know, like making, uh, making for even flinching. So, you know, he will always try to be like, you know, I'm not like these guys, these guys are toxic and all that. But, you know, you compare him to like, say, an Aaron Mack or obviously like Celeste Ng, I think this was the most there's like a genuine attempt to try to give credibility. There's even a part, and, and you know, I, this is probably my favorite part of the book because like nobody else uh, said this, but he's recalling the whole like Celeste Ng incident. Right. And he talks about how, and he con- contrasts Celeste Ng's um, reaction, which is very like self-righteous to Constance Wu. Constance Wu. That's uh, right. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I, she might she was a little condescending, I thought, but she ultimately, her message was, you know what, like, yeah, I, I kind of, these guys aren't completely crazy, and if you know, I, if I can listen, I'll, I'll listen. And then the next paragraph, JCK talks about how even a lot of uh, Asian women writers he knew didn't really like Celeste because the way she like her... Her response to her... it, at least. Yeah, Wait, did he oh, say that? He says that in the book. He says that in the book, yeah. yeah.
1: The oh. book, yeah. Okay. Oh, Actually,
0: yeah. Um, uh, I will read the exact paragraph that he there's a lot
1: of equivocation in how he writes it he's like it's not it wasn't the majority but it was enough it was like more than a few (laughs) okay so this is after he quotes uh, Constance Wu's statement this was
0: hardly the condemnation that had been circulating on social media she was saying we had a point a former asian masculinity poster told me she was saying this was a discussion worth having Wu's ambivalence mirrored the conversations i had been having with my asian-american colleagues in the media even women who had been attacked by the MR Asians had trouble sympathizing with Ng, in part because she had buried the tweets that inspired the backlash in the second half of the article. The article uh, is the cut article, which um, one one theory I've circulated with some of my friends is one of the reasons why Jen Feng was so mad at JCK was uh, because he's essentially immortalized like Celestine's tweets and some of the unfavorable even within the blue check circles even among asian female blue checks against ing but then someone else pointed out to me yeah but these people all admit they never read the book so he's like okay you got a point there but i bet if they did read the book and they saw that part their heads would explode yeah i, I remember reading that that ending to the chapter
2: where he kind of like i don't know if he's letting credibility to the online asian men not not explicitly the emirations the actual bad actors but like the whole group of them and their concerns like even the legitimate concerns i i i felt a little bit like that was dangerous territory for him to tread into right i know he's leaving it ambiguous at the end about like okay there's obviously a a group of a very large group of bad actors or a very large group of people who have legitimate concerns but the fact that he he played it where he wasn't just straight up condemning um you know emirations online or whatever i thought was gutsy i i and i don't know what the intent was there right when i when i read the chapter i felt a little bit especially the part you know when he was introducing doug and relating his own like jck's background to doug and saying like i'm i'm just like i could be just like this guy i'm not that far from this guy there's a there's this feeling that he was trying to write it as if he as if he was trying to invite the idea that any asian man could have similar feelings to doug Right? Like that quote about how Doug was like, oh, when I saw Hiroden Kumar, you know, I became very emotional because I'd never seen an Asian guy represented like that. You can imagine almost any Asian guy who grew up in the 80s, 90s, right? Who'd never seen positive yeah, representation yeah. having that same feeling. So, yeah, this is weird kind of like striking up some point of empathy that he was doing throughout the chapter uh, for Asian men that I um, thought was interesting. He kind of flirted with it. He didn't really engage with it fully, you know.
0: Yeah, I think he did about as much as he is probably safe to do as, as such right. a mainstream writer, which I think might also uh, might is not even I, I guaranteed to be one of the reasons why so many of the people who were like Asian American women who were in these like blue check circles, whether they're academics or activists or writers who came after him was probably because, yeah, they, they thought that he was a little too nice to the to the, ba- the bad Asians
2: no no but they didn't read the book so like but, how would but they know? I think they just
0: assume maybe they saw a few excerpts yeah uh, but, but I think and, it's
2: this is what I'm getting at earlier right like I think it's the feeling that he is treading on this sort of dirtbag Asian territory that is upsetting to them
0: no yeah, that's what I'm saying too that yeah instead of saying like you know, bad bad boys. You know, go go to your room. No supper for a week. That right, kind the, of like thing. Like the Aaron Mac article. Yeah, yeah. He's right. he's he's sitting down. I mean, literally, he's like sitting down with Al. <laughs> he's sitting down with Doug.
2: Yeah, he's um, literally talking. He's actually having conversations. Yeah, trying to yeah, understand yeah. their side of the story. I mean, understand that some of it's toxic as well. Right, in the case of Al and some of what what Doug was involved in. But he's at least willing to have that conversation as opposed to just dismissing it.
0: We've known for a long time. To them, even having that conversation is a sin. You've crossed the line. You can only condemn, ignore, ridicule. Mock. Well, look at
2: the look what
0: happened with yep. the the, the um, NPR
2: um, Invisibilia episode. Yeah, exactly. Uh, with right? yo Shah, which Yo-I-Shaw, actually
0: okay. um, in the uh, time to say goodbye podcast, one of the recent episodes talked about. You know, they spent about 10-ish minutes talking about uh, Jay's book. Yeah, and they they mostly talked about this chapter, and yeah, they also brought up the Joy Shah thing, and jck's point and i think his other two hosts agreed with him is that he was saying like if she even she can't talk about it then these people are saying nobody can ever talk about it which is exactly the point we made way back in 2018 when this controversy was happening so it makes me wonder if uh they're also kind of like paying attention to what we're saying because that's exactly what we said yeah i think by him dedicating not only a whole chapter to this but also not as I said, scolding, being like 100% scold all the mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. Right. I think they see that as too much sympathy. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean,
2: he's not, I mean, I, I think he's, he's yeah, playing it safe, like you said, Chris, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a part he wrote, I want to read this part, which he encapsulates a, a thing that I think he's trying to characterize as, like, the, the crazy uh, Asian identity mindset, but if you think about it, um, I think a lot of people, whether they're you know, just regular Asian guys, or I bet even a lot of Asian women probably think this. He says, from the MR Asians perspective, why would you trust those Asians who deny that Harvard is discriminating against Asian applicants, who tweet jokes about your small dick and your flat face, who seem almost embarrassed every time there's a hate crime against your people? They will sell you out in a minute to maintain the illusion of the multicultural elite. Then they'll go off and marry a white man and laugh in your face. I don't know if you're trying to say that that's a... A crazy idea that these guys have, or that this is a relatively reasonable um, response to that just kind like, of behavior.
1: Yeah, I mean, another w- another way I think about it is like, how would like how how do you argue against any one of those things in that statement <laughs> exactly, being false? Right, like <laughs> right, right. like you can go through every part of that statement and be like, okay, I know people who've done that. I know people who are like this. Oh, I know that this happens. Like it's not that any one of those things are like hundred percent true, but it's like those things exist. So, yeah, and, like purely if, objectively it, right?
0: speaking, like l- okay, let's let's cut out the more like let's say editorial aspects. Like, um, may- maybe they don't tweet jokes, maybe, but you, you can kind of tell they probably do that privately. They definitely right. deny that Harvard is discriminating against Asians,
1: they or or sp- even if they say it, they do, it's like it's not important, right?
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, they do seem very conflicted when when a blatant hate crime happens against Asians. Um, sell you out in a minute to make, Okay, sell you out. That's like, who knows what that means? Let's cut that out. Uh, they do go off and, and marry white people, uh, you know, let's say either a man or a woman often. Laugh in your face. I mean, who knows if they do that? But a lot of that is just objectively true. So I'm, I'm not sure if he's trying to say that that is. Again, like a crazy idea that these guys have against the Asian elites, or he's just describing what a lot of the Asian elites do and trying to say, it's a reasonable grudge that people on the outside have against you if you're doing all these things. He's describing the
2: feeling, right? Yeah. Like the laugh in, the, in your face thing. They don't laugh in your face. They're not stupid. They don't do that, right? Yeah. But the, well, feeling that, yeah. the feeling that you're being laughed at yeah. is what he's descri- describing as right. the incredulity right. of the Our Asian identity you know, crowd. Right. At least the, but, at least the ones who have these but, toxic
1: ideas. I, I would I would submit, though, that um, I've certainly been around some Asian people uh, and maybe some white people or non-Asian people who don't laugh in people. They're not doing it to the, that person's face, but they're doing it behind their back. Sure. Yeah. Right. Or, or you can imagine them doing it. at least. Yeah. And that's, well, no, that's I, I know they've done it. I, I've been in those conversations. Right. Yeah. Like they think you're like sort of in their crowd. So like they'll just sort of be honest. Right. So I'm just, yeah. So yeah, maybe they don't do it to your face, but you you have this feeling that they do. And I'm like, yeah, they, they do behind your back.
0: Yeah, here's, a, here's another sentence that really sums up. Uh, and I don't think this is even the uh, MR Asian chapter. He says, what does it mean to be Asian American if some of your people are using it as a stopping point on a path toward whiteness while the poorest and most vulnerable get stuck with the bill? Again, I think that's the sentiment that a lot of the people who hate these like insider Asian Americans would say, like you guys are using us whether it, whether you know you're playing up the whole like Asian cultural uh, boom kind of thing or whatever, but you don't really want to be one of us. You are you want to be white, and as soon as we stop being useful, um you're gonna discard us. You don't care about our community. You just want us for to give you the illusion of actual influence and power. So again, he's saying he's voicing a lot of stuff that if you are part of the outsider agent, you don't even have to be one of these like toxic Asian guys. You read and be like, hmm that's, I can agree with that. And there aren't a lot of Asian American writers saying that. Uh, so I think that's another reason why he became a target for these people.
2: I mean, I, I would go out and say that he's, throughout the book, and again, not just in that one chapter, he's voicing a lot of things that we've said, or people who are in our circles, like online on Twitter, etc., have said about all the shit happening in Asian America. And, you know, with, within, with, with respect to, you know, white and black America in the last couple of years, five years, maybe in particular around coronavirus, right? So there's these quotes he has in um, chapter six, um, which is called, what are we talking about? Which I felt like really sounded familiar. I'll read one of them. Um, I'll read a couple of them. So the first one is um, if the roles were reversed and Asian men were randomly attacking and even killing old black people, there would be a nationwide protest, right? Like that's, that's like the kind of thing you could see, you could see, you know, being written on our Asian mask or our Asian identity, right? Like that's exactly the kind of rhetoric almost. And he just kind of like, he writes it out there kind of like in a, in a kind of quote format, it almost as if he's speaking the ideas of other people and not his own. Maybe he has these ideas. I don't know. Right. But that was very interesting. that He just put that out there very bluntly. And then there's a the second one. He says, all summer during the George Floyd protests, we were lectured by rich educated Asians to examine anti-blackness in the Asian community. But what about anti-Asian-ness in the black community? If we have to examine why our parents follow them around in stores, shouldn't they have to examine why they shove helpless elders and kill them? That sounds like something that like Tina would tweet, right? <laughs> like that sounds very much so aligned with the kind of um, the question that, that we've done on this podcast in some of the writing um, online and Twitter and so on. And he, he distances himself a little bit from the thoughts because he kind of puts them in this kind of quote format and right. these pages in the book but i think he is wrestling with those ideas and he's the only asian american writer i know who's like published you know a big book or a big article with those ideas and i think that is also in part what is um making things uncomfortable for his peers in that group of you know
1: blue-check writers yeah you know and well and and i feel like um he does those things like that like you just highlighted um philip but The impact of the book is, I think, not as much as it could have been because he equivocates on a lot of this stuff, right? Like he he doesn't commit as much as he could have, Uh, and because there's it's too dangerous to do so. For oh no, I'm not I'm not saying that like maybe he could have done it, but I'm just saying that like because he didn't do it, um, it's not as. The book isn't as powerful as it could have been, and and it's sort of there's a there's a lot of those points are sort of hidden in the history that he's trying to tell. So it's like his audience is a little bit muddled, in that I feel like he's trying to write it for so many different audiences and make it so universal that it 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 just the impact is lessened. Um, Yeah. So Uh,
0: if you listen to that uh, his podcast "Time to Say Goodbye" uh, segment on this, you'll definitely feel like. Because you know it's it's on that chapter that we, we talked about, yeah. And they, as I said, they all kind of agree that hey, this is not like obviously don't don't become like a harasser or whatever. But I think you know these guys aren't completely crazy, so they they get to that point, which I suppose is progress. If you especially if you compare it to like several years ago, like you know when we started, yeah. but they fall short of actually saying what uh what we should do because uh, when we talked about the the slate. Um, Asian identity uh, article in a podcast several weeks ago just made a good point that, okay, so it's either that this is a legit uh, problem of crazy guys, in which case we need to bring things like law enforcement and legal measures to stop them because they're absolutely insane. Right.
1: And they're or, in danger to people. Yeah.
0: They're in danger to people. Or they do have a point and we got to listen to them and maybe even um, take some action. And you know, not just listen, but okay, let, let's let's carry out a series of things we can to make sure that this doesn't happen again. In terms of like the root causes of it, um, it's it's got to be one of those things. It can't be this middle ground where you say, okay, you're not totally crazy, but uh, we're also not going to do anything about it. And uh, listening to that
1: podcast, something insanity, but
0: yeah, Listening to that podcast, I I feel like what these types, and I, I'm not including JCK in this because I think truthfully. I think he leans more sympathetic to us than he lets on publicly. I think to a lot of these people, what they really want is like a, a new opium for Asian men. Like, okay, your life sucks, but you know what? This this deal we got with Asian, uh, not Asian, men, with America, where you're kind of like the eunuchs of society, that's a price we're willing to pay. It's working get, out for some of us, you know? It's, we're, like... we're, we're, it's working out for the people who matter. <laughs> Right. Uh, by, by you know, by our standards, they're
2: the ones who get to go in the bunker in um, Doctor Strange Love, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, for <laughs> so you guys, um, hang in there. We'll we'll find we'll find you a nice distraction. You know, we'll work up a nice chemical. Maybe you'll feel good. I mean, th- that's the feeling I get because like nobody's actually because this is racism. You know, this is an age-old type of racism, and they can't ignore that any longer. But they can't face they can't bear the the reality of anything changing because I think it's, it would upset too many established interests. I think people are used to a certain way. And as I said, the people who matter uh,
1: like it this way, um, including white people. In that line of thinking, and and this just occurred to me and and that, and I don't know if I've read this or heard anyone um, sort of express this, but in that, in that vein, right. If let's say they are thinking that they're like hoping that some, something's going to come and just sort of, mollify you know this group of of people that they they dislike do you think they're hoping that like the advent of like bts and you know other korean media and uh, other asian media um will you know elevate sort of some of the asian men in the, in the country uh their social status a bit that they maybe they have like an a little bump in you know attractiveness or, or social standing that it'll like you know I think so do I think that would
0: I think I think for them they probably think that is the best case scenario because
1: because that, if that's true then that's just trading one fetish for another right that's sort of that's just saying okay we're, a fetishization will be the pro, like the solution and that seems horrible to me well Philip and I talk about this a lot but like uh, like what is a
0: fetish anyway let's even say it's not even fetish let's say it's all beautiful uh interracial love between all these people even if that is it's like what is your definition of the Asian American community at that point, right? Because yeah. um, if if Asian America is defined by Asian Americans all scrambling to avoid other Asians, like what what exactly yeah. are defines the community then? So I, I, and, I and this is something that JSK repeatedly goes to, returns to in his book is that Asian America as a community is a very just loosely defined
1: concept. Yeah, yeah that's the overall thesis i think of yes. the book yeah right? well that's definitely the thesis of the book yeah
0: yeah and I, and i think what well, well, you know I, I guess one solution is let's let's forge our identity as is basically like a a nation state within a you know within a nation kind of thing cuz you know all all groups go through this all groups go through and i'm talking about like the formation of actual like uh nation states where they have to eliminate all the regional dialects so that everyone has a unified language. They come up with a national founding myth about that time, a thousand years ago, we repelled this uh, invasion or whatever. Either we do that or we just kind of accept the reality that we're all different people and say, hey, you guys can't speak for all of us anymore. Um, So it's like, I, I myself am not sure what the solution is because on one hand, like I, one of the things I've always said is, you know, as much as we hate like the elite blue check types, we're not saying they have to be completely silenced. They just have to butt the fuck out when we try to do our own thing because they can't speak for all of us and they don't get to own all this space and claim Asian America for themselves. I've always believed that because I don't want yeah. this to turn into some kind of war for dominance because I think everyone deserves their point of view. Right. right. Uh, yet on the other hand, would it be better if there was a more unified identity, but then again you look at like black people and see all the fights they have in the back <laughs> if hundreds of years of culture and shared struggle and all that can't form a single identity then i don't think well, we have that much hope at all i, I yeah. feel
1: yeah i'm sorry go ahead phil we're
2: just moving from from one conflict one struggle to another right i mean to the to the point that adam was bringing up where there's this weird inflection point right now where like asian asian culture is flooding its way into America and making Asian shit cool, interesting, like elevated, right? And therefore also maybe elevating the Asian men as a side effect of that. That's just going to lead to some new conflict. And we're oh, yeah. Chris and I talk about like the, the fetishization of Asian men as being one manifestation of that new conflict. Like that's a new thing that's started a new conversation. New discourse Super new, like happening, the, it's, right?
1: It's so foreign but to it's, me.
2: But it's still conflict. It's still yeah. inter-Asian American conflict. Absolutely. It's yeah. just a new type. Just to Chris's point about how, Black Americans have just moved on from conflict, from conflict, conflict to conflict within their own community, even though they've been around for two hundred years, like trying to figure out where they fit, or four hundred. So, but yeah, yeah,
1: I thought that was one, um, whole, like sort of hole in his thesis in the book was that, and maybe I just didn't read it um, uh, like uh, uh, closely enough. But I felt I always had, I I got the feeling reading it that he that he always sort of intimated that like Black America. Um, was unified or didn't have any conflict. Mm. Um, but Asian America does and we need to you know we need to solve that. But um, I think we've come to, to learn um, that that couldn't be farther for the truth. Yeah, like, and maybe he knows that too, but he doesn't have time to address it in the book. Yeah, yeah now. yeah like, no that oh for sure, I can't address it in the book, but I just yeah. thought like he could have probably alluded to that because he did a little bit because I noticed that like he w- he mentioned sort of some of the more recent immigrant groups from like Nigeria. Um, that tend to be um, wealthier when they come to America. Uh, yep, and co- and right. there's conflict there between right. sort of, you know, ADOS and and, and those uh, more recent, which has a little bit of an analogy between sort of the older uh, immigrant groups uh, like the Chinese and Japanese immigrants and sort of the hard seller mm-hmm. who might come from China and, and, and Korea uh, and Japan as well, but came at a different time and have different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So... And, and and as we said before, he starts off
0: the book by talking about his uh, Hapa daughter. He also, at the end, uh, brings her up again. Yeah. He, he references pa- this part where he says, like, you know, he would... This was in New York City. He took uh, his daughter off from, like, soccer practice. And he, he noted how, like, the majority of the other kids there were also Hapa. Then he goes to Berkeley, where he lives now, I think. And he enrolls his daughter in... Um, in a, in a ballet class. And again, there, there's like all, he says, like almost all the kids there are also hapa. So he's recognizing this reality of this, it's kind of like this hapa overclass, at least relative to Asian Americans. There's even a part where he says that, uh, l- let me pull it up. Oh, uh, did you also note that there's a part in the book where he uses the term "inconvenient minority," which is the yes, book. Yes, I, I did notice that. <laughs> so I was wondering: that. Did, is that a total coincidence? Is it actually a phrase that's been popularly used in uh, academia before, or did he or Kenny Shu first come up with it? I was wondering about that.
1: <laughs> uh, probably Kenny, because he actually published a whole book,
0: <laughs> right? Well,
1: not, not
0: necessarily. Maybe he, uh, maybe Jay had used it in a in an article before, and. But I bet it's been used a lot. I think it's been used. Academic circles and stuff. Yeah. All right. Okay. So here it is. Uh, Will my daughter care about any of this? History in some ways is a choice. My parents chose to deprive the children of the past since we never learned about the Korean War or Japanese imperialism or any immigration stories outside of Ellis Island in school. My sister and I did not really know that we could pinpoint ourselves within a linear history of oppression. My daughter's connection to these histories will be even more abstracted, not only by time, but by a more compelling identity as a mixed race kid of the second and fourth generation of Korean and Jewish immigrants. Now I think he committed a very big faux pas there in which he says that the Hapa identity is a more compelling identity than you know, you know, so-called mere Korean or Asian American one. Now, as I say that's a faux pas because that's one of those things that you, it's like saying the loud part or saying the quiet part loud. That's his, That's the mistake he made there, I think, if, if people got mad at them. for Because, because you, I think, think, that's because one you of think that
2: by com- compelling, you mean like more interesting, more valid, more- Yeah, by better. Know, right. Valuable. Right. And, and,
0: and this is exactly what uh, a lot of the insider Asian Americans believe, which is why so many of them are uh, themselves uh, compelled to seek out white partners and have families with them yet um, they also don't want to say that a lot because if you say that a it kind of makes you look like a, a self-hater but B you're also admitting that being half Asian is a privilege over being full Asian and that is something that a lot of them will not say because again in these on, on the you know left side of the political spectrum, the more oppressed you are the more credibility and the more just uh, uh, respectability you have. So you can't admit to being part of this basically like a racial project to create like a new overclass. You can't admit to that even though it's plainly happening all around you. Uh so yeah. that that's the that's the you know he says things like that which you know for like a mainstream writer who writes regularly for the new york times like wow he actually said that huh it, it makes you think that even though as i said you know remember the part where he's talking about like going around planting trees and being a zen buddhist like did we really have to read about that <laughs> yeah yeah like, that's like typical um you know asian american memoir kind of stuff like right i dealt with my trauma by becoming
1: johnny appleseed or something. some of this some of that stuff i feel like he's mocking himself like he mentions it to sort of possibly I think, but to be like oh, to i was enjoy. absurd you she know to
0: enjoy talking about that at length
1: yeah um yeah that that word choice is it can't be an accident Wait, um what do you mean? in it like, like the word to use to use the word compelling yeah I, i'm on, not yeah i'm not reading into it as he's saying it's like a, a better
2: ethnicity right than being pure asian pure jewish even though was, i think his wife is like halfway like
1: half She's she's only half. She's half, half, or yeah, whatever, she's half right? Wasp, half, like I think half he, Jewish. I
2: think he's saying it's more compelling in the sense that okay, look, someone who is like like one half Korean, one quarter white, one quarter, you know, Jewish white or whatever is just a more complicated person than person who someone who is just strictly Korean. Wait, wait, wait! Well, no, right?
0: no, but that is a pure value judgment, though. You like no? Who says that 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 person is more complicated or compelling? I mean, you you one could easily also say, hey, that person could also be more white passing. Therefore, they're actually just as boring or as another white person. So no, he is explicitly yeah. placing a value judgment, saying that society will value his kid more because she is half white, and that is something that we all know. Uh, but most of us can't admit. That's basically why I got booted out of the uh, Asian American subreddit because I was the one continually raising the fact that, right. hey, um, uh, at least when it comes to like casting, a lot of times, especially with male characters, Asian male characters, they seem to be casting these ha- Hapa guys and that is not progressive in the sense that Hapa guys are above full Asian guys. And that I was attacked very harshly for that and I think it's because it attacks at the heart of this delusion that, being part of a relationship with, with a white person and creating Hapa children is somehow this crusading, rebellious thing to do uh, against the, what they themselves would say is a white supremacist society. It makes no sense. Yeah, no,
1: I, I can see that interpretation of it because using the word compelling definitely invites that interpretation. And I can't say you're wrong because I think that that makes sense. Um, I, will, I will defend sort of what Philip was saying because not to make a value judgment that it's better or worse but um, to, for, in one perspective, Jay might be seeing in his sort of lens that not only does she have the Korean heritage that I only had, but she has two others that she could also explore. So why would she only choose to sort of be Asian American, right? She has two other identities to also go down. So it's more, compa- he thinks maybe in his perspective, that would be more compelling, more interesting, or more, uh, it would draw her more than just sort of saying, oh, I'm Korean, and I'm going to explore Korean, uh, my Korean heritage. Uh, th- that's one way that I could see that. But his using the word compelling definitely invites all of this controversy, like he, sure. he could have just said something else. But yeah, I, re- I read it more yeah. the way that you just described, Adam, where I think it's like, you know, by by
2: nature, someone who has like, A bunch of wacky backgrounds is gonna give them more, like, you know, options in life, not that they can choose, but of things that can, you know, happen to them or stories to tell and so on, right? So that's how I read it anyway. Okay,
0: but even if you read it like that, that is also saying that if you're an Asian American, you have all the incentive in the world. If you wanna give your kids a better life. Well,
2: what about the opposite? If you're white, you have all the incentive in the world to have a POC partner. And a half, a half, like half white, half something else, kid. Well, then, but the then same, you look, and, the you look at the
0: actual stats, and and you you know whether it's like the marriage or dating stats. Well, the only reason why true. I said
1: it wouldn't because yeah, like I, I don't like only for a very small sort of elite uh, circles would they think that that would add to sort of their 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 children's uh, lives. I think for most white people, they'd be like, "Why would I want to have any mixing?" Like, let's be honest, right? They wouldn't want that.
2: No, I I think there's a I think there's definitely a group of people who think that they would have more interesting kids if they were biracial.
1: Oh, certainly, <laughs> but, but I don't think by, that's by a
2: nature. Big... of Understanding that you know these days that by having is that, some that a other large population though, white,
1: of people?
2: I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. But I'm just saying, I mean, like as I said,
1: the stats yeah. don't
0: the stats don't really bear it out, and you know they're not writing books about it. You I mean you read like a white person's story. It's not this endless, just obsession. Oh, sh- should I be with like? A black guy or an asian guy you never see that like whereas with the opposite if you look at like black literature you look at asian literature it is it's like a one-way relationship that's yeah. what i'm saying um and i think yeah if it were in a if this like social logic played out evenly then we then it would it would kind of be equally absurd on all from all angles because you'd have like the asians desperately trying to uh, intermingle with all sorts as many identities as possible and the white people will be doing the same but it's it, in reality we know it's not like that it's mainly the minorities and it's almost always with white people you don't really see like you know Asians That's seeking true. out uh, you know Amerindians uh, and, and trying to <laughs> give their kids some like Aztec heritage you don't see that it's like as what would be more interesting than a Korean slash Aztec you know but it's always yeah, yeah. you know Korean and, and waspy wasps or, or Jews you know it's like we have seen plenty of that it's really not that interesting
1: <laughs> well yeah but so I, I did I did have a uh, th- this was like the one thing that really struck me because it sort of was in passing and and it's sort of relating back to some of the topics we've talked about um, I think it touches on hapa the the hapa sort of identity of his daughter that was a through line um, in the book and also the um the talks about sort of but the, you know the elite uh, you know, heart seller agents versus everyone else. But in the chapter where he, or in the section where he was talking about the, um, the special high school uh, exam and, and sort of, you know, cause he talked a lot about that issue. He mentions that um, one, uh, that one meeting, that public meeting that they had, uh, the Carranza who used to be what the, he was like the teach, he was the educational Ch- chancellor, the chancellor the or whatever, or right though. in New York. New York City, and they did it in concert with the um, what what was that group like for? Uh, it was like the Chinese, like academic sort of. Uh, I forget what the what they call they called themselves, but in that meeting he mentioned that that group um meant was like they, they didn't mention Asians at all about like, oh yeah yeah, how yeah they I wanted, part yeah and then a white a white adoptive mother got up and talked about well what about chinese people what about my daughter who's chinese and it just struck me that he mentioned that and like that was the only mention of like adoptees but do you guys remember that section and like did you have any thoughts that came to mind because it seemed to be a little to me it, he was sort of saying like it, it was sort of on the on its face it's sort of absurd and it's it's like a um it's not it doesn't make that coalition of like asian people and 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 other sort of people of color look very good if like the white mother that adopted a child from china is the one that's like the defending the up, honor right? yeah. of asian people and their and their right to like go to these schools right maybe the point he was making was that
2: only only this outsider this white woman not an asian person yeah has the authority To make a point about this, we we need that caring
0: mindset. That's what he was saying. (laughs) I mean,
1: in a way, sometimes, but I mean, I just found it very. It was very interesting because, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe that's right because it's like she can say that, and she doesn't have to care about as much, like being able to be uh, like comfortable at her cocktail party the next day, right? Like she, she has that like ability, like who, like she doesn't care, (laughs) like
0: yeah, because like all Asians at some point. In our lives probably had this fear where we we can't be seen as too biased by which we mean like uh we can't be seen as favoring asians too much because they already think uh we're all you know connected by the hive mind so we gotta we gotta show some independence right we gotta show some objectivity give ourselves a
2: handicap that kind of thing right yeah
0: so yeah i I can totally believe that it would take like a, a white lady to stand up for asians uh, versus Asians ourselves even though i bet like at least uh probably like majority of Asians probably even like agreed right. with in that. in that meeting people, like,
1: probably <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but um, um, but i just found that interesting and i i think there's probably a much bigger book that could be written I, and I, I don't know I, i'm sure there's probably stuff that has been written um about not just like the hapa identity but like the intersection of that with like uh, adoptees that were you know uh, transracial adoptees asian adoptees that were raised by like white families right um because there's i think there's just a lot of it's an interesting intersection but that 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 like sentence and that sort of interlude really struck me as like saying a lot a lot in like Mm -hmm. that that one little sentence
0: yeah There's, there's a part also uh related to uh like education admissions that really got at me and it was about i'm gonna try to find the exact quote but i can paraphrase it okay so This is, I think this is the guy who started Elite Academy. Mm. Uh, And he says, okay, looking over at his son, Dennis, who had grown up in the classrooms and administrative offices at Elite, Young Day said, if he didn't go to MIT, what opportunities would he have? How else could he show his value in America? And it was that last line, how else could he show his value in America, which I think is something that really gets overlooked in a lot of these um, debates between the insider and outsider Asians of our you're too obsessed with, you know, the Ivy leagues or whatever. And I think uh, a lot of it comes down to the fact that for the outsider Asians, they feel um, with, uh, with, I think, some degree of correctness that if they did not have their, like, good educational backgrounds, they really don't have much that the rest of America would value. Because you're Asian, your race has no value, like, politically or culturally, at least Maybe you could say in the last couple of years, uh you know people with with the rise of like Asian pop culture, maybe about it, oh but for a vast majority of American history, being Asian was pretty worthless. The only thing you have is is that degree from some fancy school, whereas with the insider Asians, I think they're the Asians who feel like no i my value basically white people value me for, for more than just my college degree therefore i can I personally can afford to um well, that's not even true, because a lot of them did go to these schools anyway. But I guess in the, in their, uh, you know, some multiverse that they imagine themselves in, I could have gone to some lesser school. And because I'm so, insert all these wonderful adjectives, I would have, I would be valued in America. I would have a place in this like elite multicultural society. And I think the outsider Asians don't. And, and th- it's this guy's statement. It's how else could he show his value in America? And I think that's something we just don't talk about that much.
2: He and he he mentions MIT, right? It's Like, yeah, yeah. Like any state yeah or I think the it's mother like, is the
1: one that's making that statement, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we see that, um and I think it was like deeply, deeply flawed. But I remember, like the Columbia speed dating uh, study that Asian dudes always cite. You know, the one where like an, an Asian guy has to make right. like two hundred sixty thousand dollars more than Some a white <laughs> guy. To I mean, I don't, I don't think that's true. I mean, if no. that's true, it's like way that is way outdated. But I, I think it gets at a certain. Like thing where it's like yeah we need to make money to be seen as more worthy and how do you make more money for the vast majority of people it's like having the superior educational background right so it has it another like class element to it's, it's
2: not a small handicap it's a large handicap you can't just have a college degree you got to have a fucking college degree from mit or right. Ivy right. in right. order to be valuable
0: yeah so or like from the right graduate as, school as, yeah. as as table stakes right yeah. And so if you already have this like already well assimilated, well ensconced into white society type of Asian Americans who, mind you, have already gone to these schools, have already gotten degrees, yep. telling these Asians who, who genuinely believe if I don't go to these schools, I, I will not have any worth in American society. And we all know to some degree that is true. You'll just be some, nobody wants to hang out with like uh, an unemployed, undereducated chink, like what do we offer? We're, we're not gonna offer any like social benefits. You're not gonna be cool by hanging out with us. You're not gonna get into any parties. You're not gonna get into any, you know, clubs, whether you're talking about like nightclubs or any other like a country club or anything. You're not gonna get that. So for a lot of Asian Americans, education is really the only thing they have. So for these um, elite Asians to be like, oh, don't be so selfish by, no, they're the ones being selfish, right? Cause they're the, they're only thinking about themselves.
2: Yeah, and they already got the spot in most cases. Yeah, they got there,
0: so, yeah. And they try to wrap that up as racial justice, which is bullshit. Um, Adam, you were talking something more uh, about, like, a hop identity. One thing I do want to point out, and I just realized this tonight, uh, but there's this article that was written in N Plus um, One quite a while ago. I think it, maybe it was last fall. It was written by a guy named Matthew Goodman. <laughs> Not my brother. Not my brother. coincidentally the name of Adam's brother. And when I first read this, I was like, Oh my god isn't that adam's brother but then the guy wrote <laughs> this as Hoppe. adam's yeah. brother is not no. Hoppe. um so anyway but this article was, was written about minor feelings which is the book that kathy park hong wrote and in it uh long story short um he i mean it's not all of the article but there's a part in it where he talks about okay if kathy park hong if you're so worried about whether Asians will like fall into whiteness. Why didn't you write about your own marriage to a white man and your own Hapa kid? I don't know if she has a son or daughter. And I think he insinuates, he, she does that because she's very uncomfortable talking about it, which is in stark contrast to J. Caspian King, who not only begins his book by this, but also like ends on it, um, is willing to make himself look like basically like a like a douchebag father <laughs> in some ways at the very least for even having these thoughts but these thoughts are real and he he admits to being uncomfortable writing about it and publishing it in the book yeah and i think it's it's far better for you to at least be honest about it rather than live in this make-believe world where you know Asians are guilty of white proximity by going to the same school as white people working in the same industries as the white people um not protesting against uh anti-black things but actually marrying and procreating with white people oh no that that's definitely not white proximity at all i mean come on like let's let's stop the bullshit we're not saying that that's wrong but let's cut the bullshit like if you're willing to talk about all the other stuff you should be able to talk about that stuff too and i think i think jay caspin king shows that he's why he's a bit different from the rest of them because he is willing to talk about it
2: yeah and and and, you know embrace the uh, discomfort that comes with it too I think right which makes for more interesting writing It makes for, for for more interesting newer ideas as well I think right like alluding alluding to the HAPA up, uh, overclass you were describing earlier Chris right with this like third G third generation right yeah of the, the third generation will be very, very interesting very,
0: Yeah, very interesting yeah. it is going to be well you know. and
1: they alluded to it a little bit in the book because um, he said that he was having uh, lunch with uh, Eddie Wong right Mm-hmm. And it was probably in LA somewhere, and it was in a cafe full of Asian, Asian kids. But they all had like their like Supreme and all the streetwear, right? But of... that's
0: not third generation. That just sounded more like actually like 1.5 gen. Oh, maybe cause it was. They, yeah,
2: cause they yeah, said but, they were all speaking
1: Mandarin, right? Uh, yeah, but yeah,
2: they're like they're like 1.5g like enclave
0: Asians. or Yeah, one yeah they, they seem Asians like those types younger. younger. That's yeah.
1: that's true. But I, I I think it's still just it's still alluded to the fact that like things are changing. Um, but how are they changing? Yeah, definitely. And will I we mean, even, like, recognize that newer generation, whether they're, like, the next generation of hard seller um, families or are, you know, uh, rich Asians coming from China or Korea or Japan or, um, like... Will we even recognize them? And I think Eddie Eddie said even like he quoted, he was like, Who are these people? I don't recognize these people. No, yeah, they said yeah. th- these you know? Asians,
0: that their their backs are so straight, their heads are held up yeah. so high. Like I don't yeah. recognize these people. I don't recognize
1: yeah. these people, right? Like <laughs> they've got too much moxie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's but it's great that he included that, right? Because it
2: just alludes to more of the stupid word by by diversity of the of the group. It's not just one fucking behemoth. Um, so it's, it's cool that he brought that in as well at the end.
0: Uh, oh, I just want to slip in here that that article I t- talked about and uh, plus one is called uh, An American Accomplice. I'll be adding it to the show notes if people want to read it. Um, it's an interesting read. It's a long read. But yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, but maybe to wrap this up, I want to ask you guys, who do you think this book is written for? It's white, people? His, it's <laughs> white people. i had his daughter. White people. Why is it white people? Yeah.
1: Um, I think I said this earlier. Like, I, I feel like he's he doesn't quite know. If I had to say one, uh, I would definitely say a white, white, liberal audience. Um, but I also think that he would say that he he wrote it for Asian Americans. Sure, of course. Um, but that's a default answer, right? There's nothing interesting. Yeah, about no. It. Uh, but it, it, it he doesn't again. I think that I think the fatal, not the fatal flaw, but the the major flaw in the book is he doesn't commit to one or the other, and maybe. Maybe that says something. Maybe that's sort of where he is, and, or or how he feels truly, and that just came across, and how the book was written. But yeah, like he he tries to straddle, and I don't know if he's completely successful.
0: Have you guys read his, or do you guys even know that he wrote a novel like over yeah, ten no. years ago? Yeah, yeah it's, the it's called The Dead, don't dead improve. Do Not, dead do mm-hmm. not Improve. Yeah. He had the idea of something so interesting because he he wrote it in the aftermath of you know, the Virginia Tech shooter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he became kind of obsessed with him. so he kind of wanted to write about essentially uh, Asian American male anger. And um, I, I think I will say, uh, Jay, if you're listening, uh, take another stab at it. I think maybe um, with uh, with some passage of time and experience, may, maybe. But I, I, if you read that in this, I think. Um, you see, like, in The Dead Do Not Prove, this kind of more, uh, this, like, young Asian-American man who was willing to do something more unconventional Mm -hmm. uh, tackle this topic that was still extremely taboo. If if you're going to write about, like, a school shooter, throw in racialized masculine anger, that's, like, so many, like, (laughs) landmines you could step on. Um, And then this, which, as I said, uh, apart from the the Mr Asian chapter, felt like a more standard Asian American memoir, sad sad sack kind of memoir kind of thing. Uh, you know, I I think in him there is, and we see it a, a lot of it in his writings. Um, you know, he's pretty much the only Asian American mainstream writer out there, lending a sympathetic ear to the, the uh, the you know the dirt
2: bag conversations.
0: Online. Well, you know, the the people who <laughs> are against Harvard in the admissions case. Or, you know, lending more sympathy to the, the like the you know, the China Mac kind of Asian Americans when it comes to violence against Asians, just mm-hmm. like a more militant stance. Um, so yeah, I'm wondering if if it took that mentality of like the death do not improve in in he wrote like a, a more memoirish type of thing, or expanded on the Asian chapter, I'd be very interested to see what, what might spring from that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, my my feel is that this this book isn't really for quote, very online Asians, right? Like a lot of the stuff he talks about are things that people, again, in our circles would have heard already, like maybe have heard almost verbatim, right? right. A lot oh, of the history not, they already know yeah. as well. There's yeah. already, you know, and there were some new history bits that I thought were interesting. I learned quite a bit from it too. But I That's think, though, though I think that with that said, I think if this book was read by someone who is not very online, but is Asian American, you might, I think it's great that this book exists because it gives you that perspective true. kind of from what I would say is you know, our side, the plan A side in a way that is, because it's hedged a little bit digestible and comfortable for, you know, Bobo well, well lives or whatever <laughs> to, to the learn normies. a little bit from, right. Yeah. The, the, the Asian normies to, to learn from. And I think that's valuable to have out there in a, in a big published book. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, for, you know, I, I think I've been fairly harsh. Um I enjoyed it. I mean, as I said before, like in the beginning, like his, he, jay you write beautifully uh and and it's very it flowed i read in like four hours five
0: hours (laughs) So, yeah i mean i'm glad i read it too and i said he does a lot of things here that i'm I'm very glad that like a mainstream type of asian american writer went like a a path he went down because we see so little of it yeah so more more like it and let's keep pushing it you know this this is not like one yeah and this done, is yeah know? this is a yeah. small this going. is a
2: small nudge in the in the right direction but still yeah. a small one i think
0: all right i think uh i think we've gone quite long enough with this and we'll uh, do another book soon i i suppose all right all right okay. cool catch you later all right later all Bye.